Welcome to C3 Los Angeles. We exist to help you know God, find meaningful relationships, get active in serving, and grow in leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially to the vision of C3LA, head to c3losangeles.com slash give. Wow, guys! Ooh, y'all ready? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I definitely lost my voice. Um, killer. Well, the title of my message today is Your Legacy Depends on It. Ooh, it's a spicy title, I know. I know. What's the it? What is that it? We're all wondering. What does our legacy depend on, right? But before we get there, I actually just want to unpack what legacy is. You know, the dictionary defines legacy as something that's left or, or handed down by predecessors, right? Legacy is the impression of care and love and being seen that I get to receive from my dad every time he picked me up from the airport in college. My dad was the one who was there before the plane landed, parked, book in hand, ready to be there, ready to greet me. He sat in the seat closest to the escalator so that he would be the first thing I got to see when I came home. And I can't tell you how much that impacted my life to the point where maybe a year or two ago when I was given the honor of being able to pick Pastor Jake up from the airport, I asked myself, what could I do to make Pastor Jake feel the way that my dad made me feel? You know, so I got there early. I parked, I was inside ready with a hot cup of coffee and a banana. It was 7.15 in the morning and I knew that Pastor Jake had just gotten in from a 14 hour flight. I would need to go home and be awake to be able to play with his son Winston who hadn't seen him in a week. So I did everything I could to try and make that easier for him. And you know, it's so funny. The legacy that my dad left in my life got me my first job at C3LA as their pastor's assistant that I didn't even know I was applying for. But Pastor Jake decided that based on the way I picked him up from the airport, true story, I was in their office the next week and they're like, yeah, yeah, we want you. (laughs) We want you to be our pastor's assistant. And I was just carrying out the legacy that my dad had left for me. You know, and legacy is a river of healings and miracles that are flowing through this church that we get to step into because our lead pastors, Jake and Nicole Sweetman, have refused to lead meetings apart from the Holy Spirit. You know, and bravely step out to not only demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit, but to instruct and release people to walk into it well. And Pastor Jake, I'm so glad that you just stepped into the building um, because as I was praying uh, in between services, I just felt like I got a word for you and Pastor Nick. And I was just praying and praying for what God was doing in our churches this weekend. And I just kept hearing Abraham and father to the nations. And I just felt like the same way, you know, he looked, he, he made Abraham and Sarah into something that was so beautiful, that blessed so many. And he's like, I will make you a father of nations. And I feel like a word for you is that he's going to make you a father of people that go to the nations. And he's making you a father of people that are going to be sent out and impact the world, not just in Los Angeles, but globally. And I just felt like, you, he gets to do that with you and he gets to entrust you with people that go to the nations because you unlock the best in us that we won't get to the nations without you. Like there's no way that we'll get there without your key being able to unlock the best in us. And so I just want to thank you for the way that you lead this church. And I just want to pray for you. If we could all just outstretch our hands towards our lead pastors. I thank you, Jesus, that they are the most trustworthy people. Father, that they're true shepherds inside and out. I thank you that they have chosen to not shy away from the hard roads, from the things done in secret, for the things that you have called them to do that bless this house in ways that we will never fully grasp the magnitude of. I thank you, God, that you are unleashing Pastor Jake and Pastor Nicole into a new season where they will begin to impact and unlock the best in people. I thank you, Father, that they are not leaders who hoard their people, but they release them with joy. And so I thank you that because of that, you will be sending them people that 
need to be trained up so well to be sent out and there's no better people that you can imagine sending them to than your Pastor Jake and Pastor Nick. So I just thank you, God, for what's ahead of them in this season and everything that they're gonna get to unlock and experience and release into this church and into the world for the love of Jesus. So we just thank you for them. We honor them, we cover them, God. In your name we pray, amen. Um, just the best thing, getting to be here with family, right? Um, I know you guys love stories, so can I tell you about legacy and one more story? Yeah, brilliant. Um, Leah and Jared, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for everything. Let's give it up for them. Um, man, they bless us with the vibes. Um, so as Pastor James said, I'm our youth and young adults director, and we have this thing called youth crew. And if anybody knows what neighborhood groups are, youth crew is our neighborhood group for the middle school and high school students, right? We meet every Tuesday night, and there's one of our youth, Logan, who's in the building, AA, and um, he's phenomenal. But I remember last season, there was a time when his shoulder was like really busted, like mad busted. Like I saw him and I would ask him like, yo, Lo, what's up? Like, how you doing? And it was like three weeks in a row that every time I saw him, he'd be like, oh, like, I'm good. But like my shoulder's in a lot of pain. And I remember one Sunday, I was like, yo, like, how are you? He's like, in pain. Like my shoulder still really hurts. And we got to youth crew one night and um, found out that he actually couldn't play in his baseball games because he didn't have a full range of motion anymore because his shoulder was in so much pain and he could only designate hit. And if y'all know Logan, like ball is life. Like this kid loves baseball and he's gonna be in the major leagues, bring things, get him signed, you know, just preparing you ahead of time. Um, but if we know that's what it means to him, we can only imagine how devastating it was that he was in so much pain and unable to step into that. And so we had youth crew one night and, and we were getting ready to go and Maddie, um, my fearless and brave co-youth leader, turns to me and was like, we should pray for Logan's shoulder. And I was like, yeah, let's go, like, let's do it. And so we asked Logan if we can pray and we're standing in the kitchen and we lay hands and we pray. And we open our eyes and we're like, Logan, do you feel any different? Is there any less pain? He's like, no, not really. Like, I still can't throw. And we're like, okay. And you know, I don't think that anybody would have faulted us for going home after that. Like we prayed in faith. We believed with our whole hearts. Like we could have left it at that and said that we were faithful and gone home, except that we've been left a legacy by Pastor Jacob being unafraid to pray twice. Right, of refusing to live enslaved to the fear of being disappointed by God for not coming through when we're just the vessels, right? And so what did we do? We picked up that baton of courage and we asked Logan if we could pray again. We're standing in the kitchen and we lay hands and we pray. We open our eyes and we're like, how's the pain? Like scale one ten, like, do you feel any better? And he was like, kind of like, still not really. And we're like, okay, cool. Like same time, same place next week. I'll see you here. If you're still in pain, we're gonna pray again. And Maddie and I are packing up, getting our things ready and and, uh, and all of a sudden you just hear, whoa. And I'm like, <laughs> and I turn around and I look at Logan's face and just surprise. And he's like, whoa. And I was like, whoa, like what? Like I need words. I need like, what? like what's happening? And he was like, I don't feel pain anymore. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, pick something up, like throw some, not like throw it at me, but like throw me something. <laughs> like, let's see if you can throw. And he picked something up, full range of motion was completely restored and the pain was gone because God is a healer, you know? And I think that's amazing. And, and that's because legacy is the youth team at this church committing to not shy away from the need for physical healing that our youth experience and choosing to lay hands and pray for our youth because we wanna make it easier for them to believe that God is a healer. I'm not out here ministering to the youth 
hoping that they'll maybe figure it out by their 27 that God actually is who he says he is. Like I want them to walk into high school knowing, like laying hands and praying and changing a campus, right? That the God who was a healer is the God who is a healer and he def gonna be the God who will always be a healer, right? And so I told y'all, we about to have fun. As I was preparing this message, God began um, just speaking to me about what builds legacy and what undermines legacy. And he dropped Hebrews 12 on in my heart and just like rocked it in a new way. And you'll see it on the screen behind me. It says, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. You know, this, the first per- portion of this verse provides us the, the building blocks of what builds legacy. Right, and, and I want everybody in this room to say, build legacy. Build legacy. Ooh, y'all loud, I love it. Um, the author begins, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must. And that posture, that phrase can really be boiled down to those two simple words, honor and gratitude. And they're connected to the former. And you can hear the honor in the author's tone when he doesn't just dismiss or minimize those witnesses, he calls them great. He speaks about them with respect. And as, we're, as the readers, we're reading that passage and all of a sudden we feel the weightiness that it actually matters that they're there encircling us like clouds, right? And that gratitude, we can hear it and it's evident in his drawing the connection between what we get to have and then what that calls us to, right? He's making connections. He's, he's connecting the dots. And, and I love it because it reminds me of, of this quote from Henry Frederick Emile that says, thankfulness is the beginning of gratitude. And gratitude is the completion of thankfulness. Thankfulness may consist merely of words, but gratitude is shown in acts. We have, the writer of Hebrews says, and he continues, so we must. Gratitude says, I'm so thankful for what you did for me. I've got no other option but to do that for others, right? It's the calls that I have with first-time group leaders. I'm like, what made you want to lead a group? And, And I'm just knocked over when they tell me, being a part of a neighborhood group helped me transition from I go to this church to I'm with family and I want to help other people experience that too, right? Gratitude is proactive, but honor? Honor is just straight up gangster, yo, like for real. Like honor says, I recognize what God is doing in and through you. I respect and value you so much. Notice we're not talking about titles, by the way, because it works up, down, left, right, every way, right? I recognize what God is doing in and through you. I so value you and respect you that I refuse to let what you're carrying end with you. Like, it's defensive, right? It's gangster. It's the moment you get to look at your leader and realize, I would do anything to fight for the vision that you've cast. I will not let it end with you, you know? The posture of gratitude and honor build legacy because they allow us to access and carry the legacy that's already been established and left for us. Guys, I think sometimes the world's got it confused because legacy is not a piece of art we create from scratch. Legacy is a baton that we are privileged to receive and get to build upon and pass on to the next. You know, and, and man, um, the author continues on with a clear exhortation. So we must let go of every wound that pierces us, right? In the sin we so easily fall into. What's he saying here? He's saying, you know, in the context of our gratitude and honor, there's work to do. Like there are gonna be things that undermine legacy that get into the soil of our lives and we're responsible to uproot them right, to create clear ground for God to move in our hearts. And, and what are those things, right? What are those things that, that get into the soil? And it's isolation and independence. 
And the reason I'm placing these two in front of us today is because isolation and independence work directly against what we just established as necessary for building legacy, which is gratitude and honor. See, legacy and gratitude and honor, what they all have in common is they're relational by nature. You can't have them if you're not connected to someone. Like, I can't get a legacy from nobody. I can't give a, like, it doesn't matter if you have a legacy if there's no one that you're leaving it to, right? And so those things are all like, because they're connected to people. But yet isolation and honor cause us to disconnect from people. And so do we see how they actually undermine because they get in the way, right? Man, it's like, it's like this. Isolation, man, directly works against your ability to honor because it disconnects you from the people you're supposed to lean into, receive from, and grow with. And independence, man, independence robs us of our gratitude because independence is saying like, yeah, I can do this alone. I don't need help. But gratitude inherently acknowledges the contribution of God and others. So they just don't mix. Like, it's just, it's crazy, but it's true, you know? And, and I really feel like the Holy Spirit, if you guys will lean into this with me, the Holy Spirit is calling us to humble ourselves to the reality that our lives deeply affect others. Isolation and independence will tell you that you can do whatever you want because your life does not affect others, but it's just not true, right? And so, man, can we just say this out loud together? Say, I want to leave a legacy. Amazing. Well, now that we know what we want, I just want to take us to what it's going to take, right? What is gratitude? Because my message isn't over yet, right? That, that spicy title isn't revealed yet. So what is it actually hinging on? What, is, what motivates us? to choose between a life of honor and gratitude or a life of isolation and independence. And friends, they all hinge on identity. A healthy, God-breathed identity. Your legacy depends on it, like completely. And man, like if you'll allow me to get to the heart of the matter, I need to ask us some hard questions. Can we go there? Killer. Whew. Do you believe you're worthy? Do you believe you're wanted? Do you believe that there's a space at the table that nobody else but you could actually fill? Because until you do, you will continue to make excuses for why you don't need to show up to the table. And I mean, why should you show up, right? You're not worthy to receive the unbelievable legacy that's been left. But like, really, like, why show up? It's not like the people you're showing up to sit next to actually want you. Why show up when you're not that significant or God isn't that concerned with what you have to deposit in the next generation? Can I admit in front of all you guys that I have battled each and every one of those lies, right? I battle those working on staff, if I'm so honest with you guys, right? Like when I'm the newest, the youngest, the least experienced, single, right? Why would they want your opinion is what I hear in my head and the lies that I have to take captive. When they've been friends for five or 10 years and they know each other's humor and they know each other's heart, you don't belong. You can't break in. You have no place amongst them. Those are what, those are the accusations that I am responsible for taking captive to the truth that I am wanted. Like my voice does matter and I wholly and completely belong with them. Like they love the mess out of me. I wouldn't be standing on this stage if they didn't, right? Like I know that hundred percent. And if I'm gonna get truly vulnerable with y'all, there's every time I'm hanging out with the young adults at this church, right? Who I just started out as Sarah with, as friends. Right? And every time I'm with them, I hear the lie that I'm not wanted. Just whisper it in my ear. And can I tra be transparent with you about how tempted I am to pull back, to retreat from relationship, to be a director but never a friend, right? 
But again, I'm responsible for me showing up to run. And so guys, like we can see, right, without a healthy God-breathed identity, we will constantly forfeit our spot robbing our community of what God said was necessary they have, and in doing so, disabling ourselves from being able to leave a legacy. Yeah, amen. I'd love to invite the band back up as we get to unpack what it means to actually have a God-breathed identity. You know, and the first thing that starts with is prayer. And I don't mean like cute, sweet, polite prayers, like, well, I'm just meeting you for the first time, gotta keep a good impression. I wore my nice shoes today, like, gotta flex, you know. No, um, but I don't mean like sweet, polite prayers. I mean like honest prayers, right? Like God, here's my fear and my jealousy and my competition and my pride, I give it to you. Like prayers that actually get us somewhere with God, right? Like cracking open and letting him see more, you know? It's those kinds of honest prayers that actually allow us to say, God, you know what, I repent. I know that I'm not showing up to battle this person because neither of us could bring to the table what the other has to offer. So would you wash me with your forgiveness and love? Would you cleanse my heart? I wanna trade in the heaviness of my insecurities and pride for your healing, your humility, your love, right? And, and next it just looks like journaling, reading your Bible, like taking the word of God and not just reading it, but saying it out loud over your life. We need to be a people who know how to declare the word of God over our lives. And you know what, if I've made you mad today, you ain't even gotta take my word for it because King David taught us exactly how, right? If we travel to Psalms 42, verses four and five, David gives us the perfect example. So I speak over my heartbroken soul, he says. Take courage. Remember when you used to be right out front, leading the procession of praise when the great crowd of worshipers gathered to go into the presence of the Lord. You shouted with joy as a sound of passionate celebration filled the air and the joyous multitude of lovers honored the festival of the Lord. So then, my soul, why would you be depressed? Why would you sink into despair? Just keep hoping and waiting on God, your Savior, for no matter what, I will still sing praise for living before His face is my saving grace. David experienced and clung to the power of being able to speak over his soul and commanding his soul in times of discouragement and despair. So guys, I'm here today to tell you that when times and trials come, when insecurities and fear begin to roar, we will find victory in our ability to prophesy the Word of God over our lives. Man, I want you guys to know today that no one passes a baton to someone that they don't think is gonna finish a race, right? Like, he just ain't gonna do it. You're like, okay, we'll lose, great. No one does. So did you know in the moment that you choose to take the baton through your gratitude and honor, that ingrained in that moment is the fact that someone is saying they believe in you, right? Pastor Jake wouldn't be on this altar praying for healings if he didn't think we were a church that could get our faith around it and move and take it into Los Angeles, right? So as soon as you take that baton, somebody's cheering you on. Somebody's telling you, yes, go, you've got vision, you can do this, right? That's gonna keep us running too. The best part about this journey to God-breathed identity, y'all, the beautiful thing that sets our legacy in emotion, it goes like this. Knowing your worth drives you to the table with your whole self, the remarkable, the rough, the raw. And knowing you matter causes you to approach the table with someone else's hand clenched in yours. 
You bring people to the table with you because you live convinced that they matter too. And that is the kind of life that I wanna live. I don't wanna show up to a table alone anymore. I'm not here for it. A healthy God-breathed identity. Our legacy depends on it. And you know, I just wanna close in prayer. Guys, there are futures and miracles and revival at stake and they hinge on who we will become. There's too much gold in you there's too much gold in the person next to you for us to keep living fractured lives. But God is here in this room and right now I'm believing that He is wanting to restore the fractures. He wants to mend those mindsets. He wants to touch and heal the wounds that we still wince over. You know, the ones that are tender when they get touched, kind of jerk. He wants to heal those today. And so I would love for us to just all stand to our feet for a moment. And if that's you, you know, if you're someone that's able to identify there's something keeping me from the table, If you struggle with isolation or independence or insecurity, I wanna invite you to join me in this moment of vulnerability. If that's you, I would love to ask you to raise your hand. If there's something that's keeping you from the table, if there's something that you're struggling with, like insecurity, would you raise your hand? Because I'd love to pray that knowing that God is here to heal you. And you know what? I see hands going up over this room from front to back. Can we be a family? Could you turn around if you see a hand, just lay a hand on their shoulder? Let's rally together and pray. Jesus, I thank you God so much for the healing and freedom that your Holy Spirit is bringing. As a family, we say we bind the thoughts of disqualification. We break off the lie of insignificance. We remove any labels that others or ourselves have placed on us. Father, that keep us from the table. I thank you that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over your people, God, and that it's happening right now, that there's a great exchange. And I thank you that from this day forward, the people who are raising their hands, God will no longer live from the words that have been spoken over them, but they will live from the word that your blood speaks over them, that there's a place at the table for them that nobody else can fill. So we thank you for the legacy you will unleash through them. God, the healing and breakthrough you're doing in their life. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. For more information, please visit c3losangeles.com.